1: also the things we say they only reflect our brilliant black woman magic mind
0: and not our employers you could have been anywhere y'all but you chose to be here with us and we appreciate you let's go what's up it's a easy breezy monday morning out here in oakland
1: easy breezy if you're not on the hospital service
0: amen to them okay
1: I love taking care of the patients and teaching the residents, but I just think there's a point where I just get cognitively tired. Certainly. And We have a drip system, so we pretty much get new admissions every day, which is very interesting for me as a clinician educator. But when you get on your like 14th day in a row of working without a day off, mm-hmm.
0: let's just say that gets old. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely underappreciated the level of exhaustion that comes with being the attending on service.
1: I do think that trainees should understand that there's not something uniquely magical about them as human beings. That's like tremendously different than an attending. Like there's nothing like about me that makes me somehow like able to knock out 14 days in a row, 15, 16 days in a row. And that'd be okay and cool. Like I I do not, we do not work in the same clip as resident physicians. I understand that, but you know, we still have like wellness issues and things we need to do to refill our cups. So Mm -hmm. guess what? Yes. Guess what I want to introduce you to. I figured out a hack, a life hack, a life hack. Yeah. Here's my life hack. Cause a lot of times our ward, our ward services, we pick up our teams on Wednesday. So oftentimes you worked on Monday and Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So If you do two weeks, you end up working like 16 days straight. So it's like rough. But my life hack, check this out, is called the diastolito. (laughs) (laughs) Uh So there's systole, which is contraction and hard work, Mm -hmm. diastole, which is relaxation. And diastole is what I refer to my off time as. Mm -hmm. But I realize that you can actually chunk the time that you're away from the hospital with intention into a diastolito. Okay. So I make a plan for my diastolito. I'll tell my team like, okay, look, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm gonna be on diastolito from like, and my whole team knows this language now. (laughs) From this time to this time, I'm gonna be doing this. If something really important comes up, definitely call me. But if it's not something that you need me urgently for, just know I'm gonna be on diastolito. And I actually, in that time, I don't look at anything from a chart. I'm not looking in the little epic app. I'm not doing none of that. I'm just fully focused on refilling my cup. Mm-hmm. So our, our language for our team was diastolito and diastelon. Diastelon is when you got the like long diastole, which is off day.
0: Okay. Which the attending did not get. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do during your diastolito, for example? oh
1: all sorts of things uh let me see on saturday evening my diastelito was with my best friend lisa we went to this really cool restaurant called yepa and co in buckhead which is a part of atlanta and ate some delicious food and then in the back of this restaurant they had a hidden speakeasy Ooh, okay and on the lolo lisa had gotten a reservation because it's by reservation only it looks like a refrigerator when you walk through there, but you go behind this door and there's just this whole swanky world. (laughs) So for my diastolito, I went to a speakeasy. Mm -hmm. Wow. Let's see. Mm -hmm. That's what's up. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't really drink because I'm on (laughs) service,
0: but but it was still cool. (laughs) I love it. Well, I had a really good weekend Something that I don't take for granted is that I have 48 hours of diastole on a regular basis and Diastelon. <laughs> I, I Gotta start practicing the language <laughs> that I made up. <laughs> <laughs> but it continues to remind me of that phrase from the nap ministry that that rest is reparations. And it took me a minute, but I am so unapologetic about my downtime now. So I always get my my long run in. I try to make it to Grand Lake farmer's market, which is so dope. And let's see, what else did I do? Oh, I have a another pod episode recommendation. Oh, What you know, I listen to like three podcasts. This, you don't listen to ours. I listen to ours. Y'all, Ashley does not listen to our <laughs> podcast. But anyway, yes. Go on. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Added emphasis by Dr. Manning. Appreciate it. <laughs> but you know, we are we are friends of the nocturnists. And I was really uh. blown away by this last interview that Emily did with Eric Topol. Okay. Who is you know a well known, well regarded cardiologist? He's mm-hmm. published a ton of papers and books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't follow him formally, but definitely know of him. But this conversation was about a book that he wrote in 2019, and of course, as I'm talking about this, I'm forgetting the name of the book.
1: Okay. Oh, I know. He, he's referring to Deep Medicine. Oh, yes. How artificial intelligence can make healthcare human again.
0: Yeah. And he and he wrote this several years ago, before like the. AI conversation became a bit more mainstream with with chat GPT. But I I have to admit that I've been kind of keeping my head in the sand around AI. It just sounds like, you know, we're all headed for the matrix and, you know, it's going to be a difficult and, and wild ride, which partially may be true. But he actually gave me what felt like a very optimistic lens into the ways in which AI can be effectively integrated in ways that allow us to maximize the more humanistic aspects of medicine. Hmm. I encourage everybody to actually go listen to the, the conversation. I'm not going to summarize it all here now, but one of the things that I liked that he said was the era of the brainiac is over that part, that part. And, you know, while we still have a lot of ground to cover in terms of how we scale our admissions to make sure that we are not just leaning towards the highest GPA, the highest MCAT score, which of course, you know, we, we really recognize and honor folks who've got that degree of academic excellence, we know that that does not necessarily translate to an exceptional physician, and the mm. fact that the rote memorization of thousands of of, of books and, and research articles, you know, is not going to be necessary. It, mm. you know, and to mm. many extent, it's not necessary now. You know,
1: you know when I when I started my internship, and I'm sure there are many people who are internists listening to this. Back in the day before you started internship or shortly after your internship, you memorized the entire Washington manual. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that sounds crazy, but I like, I could see the whole book, like every page. I knew what was what I knew how you manage each single thing based upon what was in there. Mm -hmm. And that was because, you know, we didn't have internet and you needed to just know stuff memorized. My son is getting ready to start college. Right. And I told him that I feel worried. You know, with chat GPT and all these things that they're going to be like important skills that he doesn't know how to do or that his generation doesn't know how to do. Like, you know, you won't be able to really write an essay and you won't be able to do this and you won't be able to do that. And he was like, well, maybe I don't need to write an essay. Maybe I don't (laughs) need to write a history paper. Maybe I don't need to do that. Maybe, maybe what I need to do is know how to use things to help me do that. And then what I will be left with is all EQ. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I was like, "Okay, sir." <laughs> <laughs> maybe he read deep medicine.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm sure that was what he was referring to between <laughs> video games. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, again, in various sectors, we know that the the rise of artificial intelligence is definitely going to have some exciting prospects and also some you know deeply upsetting ones. But if AI can tell me exactly what is going on with an EKG better than I can, I will gladly take that option.
1: And listen, we will never, ever have AI step in for primary care and general medicine, because guess what? Chad GPT don't want this smoke. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The human doctor, may we always be in style. Yes, yes. Well, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary royalty. Let me tell you something. Today is a special day. It is a day that everything will go your way. And let me tell you why. (laughs) It is because none other than Oakland's, Oaktown's finest, well, I mean, originally she's from H-Town. I but was about to say, I, I
0: really represent for yeah. H-Town, but okay. I, I love her. She represents
1: too. for H-Town. Um, so does Beyonce, but I digress. <laughs> and, um, but right now she's living in Oaktown, coming in at you live and direct, hot and ready to not only tell a story, but after telling a story, edit the whole thing down <laughs> for your listening pleasure. <laughs> and publish it whenever she feel like it, because like I told y'all, She's the one over how this whole thing works. Yes. And y'all, that is Ashley McMullen. Mm-hmm. Let's give her a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you, people. Dr. McMullen, mm-hmm. what, sis, is the what?
0: <laughs>
1: <sighs> okay. <laughs> We're so competitive with each other. I know, right?
0: i was like, dang, these intros If be sending me. Okay. The what is choice. Ooh, hmm. Choice. All right, yes. I like it. Yes. I love choice. Me. So, mm-hmm. the power to choose. Mm. Agency. Yes, yes. agency. Mm-hmm. So, um, this is a story that starts my very, very, you know, early days of being on faculty. A couple years ago, as many of you know, I I took a job with our veterans hospital in the primary care division. You know, I didn't really take on a lot of other responsibilities as far as education or leadership. I was mostly just trying to reset from residency, see patients, and do a little precepting, but that was pretty much it. At that time, I had uh, also just gone natural, like cut off all my straight hair, had the, the teeny weeny afro. I was going to be seeing patients in our main primary care practice at our, our VA hospital and it was going to be really it was really my first time like spending a lot of time at the at the VA. I didn't do a lot of work with veterans as a resident. So it's kind of a definitely a new experience. I was definitely nervous in many respects. You know, the VA kind of had its own reputation as far as what it was like to be a woman in that environment and particularly a black woman in that environment and you know, here I am coming in with my newly cropped uh, natural black hair too. So I actually was like a little nervous in terms of what to expect. To be honest, when I first started, you know, those first couple of weeks, I was really actually pleasantly surprised. I had a lot of really wonderful interactions with my patients who were primarily male, primarily older, like 50 Mm -hmm. and up. And so I was feeling more and more at ease, just given the rapport I was, I was building. And the other beautiful thing was I had a very comfortable, like slow ramp up to my panel. So I had a lot of time to spend with my patients and get to know them. So I was kind of on a good roll and I come to clinic one morning and have a couple visits and I have one new veteran on my panel, This is someone who had elected to transfer his care from um, a resident provider for, you know, for reasons of not feeling adequately cared for. Okay. So it requested an attending, um, and so since I happen to have, you know, plenty of space available, uh, this veteran was assigned to me. So did a little pre-charting and got the, the knock on the door that this person was ready and waiting outside of my exam room. I get myself ready, and I go out to meet this person. This is a, a veteran who I would say is probably, like, mid to late 60s, wide-identifying male. And I open the door, introduce myself, and I say, hi there, I'm, I'm, I'm Dr. McMullen, I'm, I'm ready to see you now, would you like to, to come in the room? And it happens within seconds, you know, that look in someone's eyes when they're doing this calculation in their minds is like, so you're the doctor?
1: Oh, man. Okay.
0: Yeah. So it's one of those encounters. I can see it written all over his face, the the confusion, a little bit of hesitation. And so I put my friendly face on and and say again, like, yes, yes, that's me. And so he asked me, he's like, okay, Dr. McMullen, what's your first name? And I take a breath and say, actually, I, I go by Dr. McMullen if that's okay with you. And then this veteran proceeds to share with me that their prior doctor, not the resident, but someone else that they had connected with outside of the VA, they speak on a first name basis. And I replied, I understand, but I prefer to go by Dr. McMullen. Ooh, we, oh, we. I know, right? Brace yourself, girl. Oh, girl. <laughs> you to in my chair. Okay. Yeah. So he hears my response and then he responds, okay, well, you can call me Dr. So-and-so. My plan. hmm Yeah. This, this veteran also happened to be someone on faculty at some university somewhere in a different state, you know, he traveled back and forth. And so he was a doctor. He was a professor, not a medical doctor.
1: Okay, someone, someone with a with a but, did he have a doctorate? I presume. I didn't double. check. I didn't verify. that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Look. like, See. You know what?
0: Can't you tell I'm on the hospital service? I'm just pro. <laughs> <You're trying laughs>
1: to... Questions. Okay. Let me be quiet. I'm okay. trying
0: to check the facts. I understand, but essentially, you know that that was the response, and it wasn't in like kind of a joy, like a playful, like okay, well, I'm you know I'm on faculty too. Like it was just kind of like a, like a defensive response to me enforcing that, and so. I remember vividly, like kind of having this interaction again, early in my faculty career. And, you know, at least by that point, again, I had, you know, had a couple of weeks under my belt and was feeling pretty comfortable in the clinic. But in my mind, I was like, okay, I I was due for one of these. Here we go. And I remember also, you know, this inner dialogue of, all right, I'm just not going to like this person. We ain't going to have a good interaction today. And also recognizing there's a bit of choice in that matter.
1: Mm -hmm. in terms
0: of how this is going to go.
1: Mm.
0: And so we sit down, start the visit. And he was like, well, I have a lot of things that I want to talk about. And so pulls out the list, which, you know, for my folks in primary care can sometimes send you into like heart flutters because you're not sure how long this is going to go. But the thing is, I had time that day. I had time. And so I made the choice to sit patiently and let this person go through their entire list. And as they're they're talking, you know, we're going like, you know, now we're like 15 minutes in. He keeps looking up every once in a while to see if I'm still listening. Like he's waiting for me to interrupt him and I'm just sitting there <laughs> letting him talk. And it was an interesting thing. Like as I'm listening to this person kind of going on, on, you know, he's, he's talking about all these different nuanced things that he's concerned about. But as he's talking, he's also interspersing like all the activities that he's a part of. It's like, oh, well, I, you know, when I you know ran this many miles or when I like, go up the hill or when I do, you know, this, this, this and this. And in some ways it felt hyper masculine. You know, I, I could feel myself getting a, a little annoyed. But at the same time, in sitting there quietly and just listening, it struck me how much this man actually reminded me of my grandfather. <laughs> and I was I was surprised by this. You know, my grandfather, a career military man did multiple tours in Vietnam as a, as a very proud Marine. I love my, my grandfather, but he can be um, quite verbose at times. <laughs> <laughs> and in a way that is just like always talking about, you know, the things he did, like his accomplishments and I'm, kudos to him for being proud of that. I'm, I'm proud of him, but I didn't recognize until I was like hearing this veteran go on and on. Like it just seemed like he was trying to make sure that I got a certain Picture a certain story, a certain narrative about him. You know, this is someone who had some pretty, you know, longstanding and serious chronic medical issues. like to be someone that active, who I'm sure was in pain just given the stuff that I saw was actually like quite impressive. And I could tell that he really wanted to be seen as someone who was still very much living his life. Hmm. And along with that, you know, i could I could see a bit of the insecurity there as well. And so again, it was just like this choice, this choice in which I could like feel a bit of compassion, especially around connecting that story to someone that I loved. And so he got through talking and again, he was just kind of surprised that I was just sitting there listening and not rushing him. And so I went through a couple things and I made this decision also to share a little bit about my background and actually talk a little bit about my grandfather. Hmm. And as soon as I started talking about my my grandfather, who was also Military, also very active and athletic. I could see the, and I could feel the energy in the room start to change. You know, mm-hmm. this veteran started perking up and kind of asking me more about him, and it opened the space actually. And I, don't, I forget kind of how it segued into it, but at one point as we were talking, I, I said to him, "It's like, you know, the reason I ask you to call me Doctor McMullen is not because I'm caught up around the title. It's actually what I have to do to make sure that I get the same level of respect as my my male colleagues." and it was really amazing to see how he digested this mm. and it was like a light bulb went off and he he made a reference to some movie i can't remember the name of it but he was like oh it was like it's like that scene from this movie and i was just like yeah it's kind of like that <laughs> but i recall this phrase that reminded me of this you know the choice to respond rather than react And to be honest, like, you know, I want to be very, very clear. There are many times when I react, when I shut down, when I just like, I ain't got the time or the energy for this foolishness today. And I think that those feelings are very, very justified, particularly given Mm -hmm. the environments that people have to, especially people of color have to deal with. But on that day, I did have a choice. Yeah, I had time. I had the wherewithal to sit and listen and also make a, a humanistic connection. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it was actually healing for both of us. I think, you know, we, we grew to have a very respectful relationship after that. You know, I don't think I completely rid him of some of his, you know, <laughs> gender biased tendencies and other <laughs> inclinations, but I do think I gave him a different narrative that day to consider Mm. in terms Mm. of what he thinks a doctor is and a doctor looks like and Mm. why one doctor might ask you to call them Dr. So-and-so as opposed to by their first name. That part. Mm -hmm.
1: I love that story. I love that story. And I love that you decided to just be still Mm -hmm. long enough to kind of let it wash over. So I- a few things that I that I I pluck out of that one is that piece right because usually if you stay with anybody long enough you're going to find a place where you intersect and even if they're being annoying especially if they're being angry if you just are still you're you're going to eventually have it revealed to you what y'all have in common Mm -hmm. and and when you meet in that space you can kind of bow to each other and and be right Mm -hmm. and And that tends to work, even no matter how much you think somebody is totally different than you, you can generally find that space. The other thing is, as I listen to this story, I think about my feelings about being called Dr. Manning. So you you did not have racial concordance or gender concordance with this man. Um, He wanted to know your first name, and that's probably because he was prepared to call you by your first name. I admit my reason for people calling me. Uh, Dr. Manning is not because of just it's not really because of my gender, it's because of my race. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do that not because I think people don't even think I'm a doctor at this point. I do that as an homage to my grandparents mm-hmm. um, and for every person of their generation who was absolutely disrespected in the Southern United States and never called by an honorific. Mm-hmm. But you're going to use my honorific. My dad tells a story, actually, um, when he was on the the clinical problem solvers, when he did that Juneteenth um, discussion before he passed away, he talked about how this young man kept calling his father, William, Mm -hmm. William, you know, like nobody ever called our grandparents, Miss so-and-so, Mr. (laughs) So-and-so. So, you know, for every one of my patients who lived through that, you're going to use my honorific mm-hmm. until I see you as a peer. The thing about my patients, so if the pa- patient says, well, you're going to call me, you know, Dr. So-and-so, I would be like, I'd be glad to call you that. Yeah. I'd be glad to call you that. I'll call you Mr. This. I'll, ca- I'll call you what, what you find affirming. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could you would have tried it with me, but we would have <laughs> kept pushing right then and there. <laughs> If anything, I would have been curious about what your doctorate was in. That's cool. You know, I'm not trying to one up you or anything, but I do want um, our listeners to realize that there's a whole generation of people that we take care of that are still living. And those people that are still living, many of them lived through a time where nobody ever used the honorific for them. And that was just the norm. Yeah. And I don't know if this ever happens to you in California, but this happens a lot in the South. You'll meet people and their name is Mr. Their first name is Mr. No, or, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or or Missy or Miss. Um, and that is because that they, they wanted to force somebody to call their son, Mr. Manning. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't really realize that until I saw like three or four people. Name Mr. I was like, why is your, name? your mama named you Mr.? Oh, yeah, she wanted people to call me, always call me Mr. Since <laughs> nobody called nobody Mr. back then. I was like, wow. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Man, that says a lot. Yep. So, mm-hmm. not, I, I tell even the students and the residents, I say, you know, why you're a student here at Emory and why you're a, a resident at Emory, please call me Dr. Manning or Dr. M when you graduate.
0: Mm-hmm. Please
1: call me Kimberly. And I know that your your um, institution, y'all have a lot of like first name energy mm-hmm. going on over there, but certainly, but nah, I do that for my, my grandmother and my grandfather who were called William and Bertha. They were
0: Mr. and Mrs. Draper. Absolutely. It's a, a bit of a different culture out here. And I had a, some difficulty kind of trying to figure out how to navigate that early on especially when i myself didn't quite feel as comfortable as a as a newly minted doctor and was open to give people the option but i did notice you know a clear difference when giving the option patients were more reflexive to call male providers doctor so and so and the women by uh-huh. their first name
1: uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: you know as a practice i've i've stopped offering my first name as an option mm. That's such an interesting
1: conversation because I hear people have lots of different views on that, and I do know some people who are Black people and who are um, underrepresented in medicine who who are like, "Oh yeah, definitely call me by my first name." Most of them are not of my generation though. Nah, my my granddaddy got called William all the time. You ain't you ain't calling me uh you ain't calling me Kimberly. <laughs> Well, I love that you and this patient found a sweet spot to meet in mm-hmm. and that you were able to build a therapeutic alliance because no matter how irritating that was, mm-hmm. you know, we signed up for this. Certainly. Nobody has really signed up to be sick or to have a bunch of medical problems that require active management mm-hmm. or a whole list you pulling out, you yeah, know?
0: Certainly. And just a reminder, like when you're able, again, and not everybody can have, like, not everybody has that energy depending on the context, but when you're able to choose kindness, Mm. it is healing for both parties. Mm. So, so try it when you can. Always choose kindness. And if that ain't
1: a good choice, I don't know what is. (laughs) Well... I'm going to try to choose kindness when I walk upstairs and see if my sons have folded up this laundry I asked them to fold up. <laughs> choose kindness. If, don't choose violence. Don't choose violence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I promise I'm really not violent, but. Except when she needs to be. I'm saying, mm-hmm. I'm just saying. But yeah. Anywho, I, I guess I'll cut him some slack. It was the first day of school today for high school so that's Mm -hmm. right
0: shout out to the the parents who survived the summer and Mm -hmm. all the folks coming back to school yes indeed well sis um
1: as you know you and i can talk all day and i need to finish charting um Mm -hmm. and see if i can carve out a little space for some diastolito yes enjoy i'll just be over here editing
0: our episode
1: (laughs) And then I'll listen to it because I listen to our podcast and you don't. It's true. See, <laughs> we, we, we. It's a shared responsibility here. Uh, that's true. All right, sis, make it the very best day. Likewise. Love
0: you. That wraps up this week's episode of the Human Doctor Podcast.
1: Special thanks to our favorite brother gastroenterologist, Dr. Chuma Obiname for the beats. Shout out to the Dr. Ashley McMullen for editing and
0: production. Mad love to our podcast family at The Nocturness and the Clinical Problem Solvers, our Med Twitter fam. And especially shout out to all of you, our listeners. Until next week, remember,
1: we see you and you are enough. Holla. Holla!